Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Hey, church, this is Pastor Mark. And uh, hey, I'm excited to jump online back here with you again. Um, man, I'm just so thrilled and impressed with our church and the response we had last week. Uh, thank you for jumping on with us last weekend, um, viewing, engaging, subscribing, sharing, uh, posting. All of it was just phenomenal. And I know, uh, you know, right now church looks a lot different for us week to week. And uh, we're going to do our best to keep you guys updated with what that looks like. But thank you so much for taking the opportunity um, as we have this opportunity to share this with you online. I know it's going to refresh you, encourage you and strengthen you. And we want to keep the flow of the word of God coming into your home, coming into your soul, coming into your mind, coming into your spirit. Um, and so uh, thank you so much for taking advantage of these opportunities. And hey, I just want to encourage you uh, right now as you are online, engage with us. Um, there's opportunities to chat, comment, uh, share what God is doing in your life, share what God is showing you through these words, through these messages. Um, hey, if you even have a prayer request or a need, uh, share that with us. Let us know we are still the body of Christ. Um, and even though we're not gathering under one roof, we're still gathering together under one name. And so I just want to make sure that we are staying connected as a church family, as a church body, and taking full advantage um, of the opportunities that we still have available to us. And so, uh, again, thank you so much for jumping on here. Again, grab your Bibles, grab your notebooks, uh, lock in with us, engage today, lean into this word, draw on this word. Um, even though this is being pre-recorded and we're bringing this to you on another day, again, this is still a word for you for this season right now. Um, and if you'll draw on this, I know that God will uplift you, uh, encourage your faith and build you up. So I want to jump into this today. Uh, Father, we come to you right now. We're just so thankful again that as a church family and as a church body and Father, as my role as a pastor and a shepherd over this church body, I thank you that you've given me such a high re responsibility of growing, serving, and nurturing the flock. And Father, I thank you that uh, your word is life to us, it's health to our bodies, it's medicine to us. Father, we just thank you that we can receive this word and we receive the life of the word today. Your word tells us that where the word of the king is, there is power. And Father, there is life, uh, life-giving, active power going forth right now through these screens, through this technology, uh, over these airwaves. And so, Father, we just give you glory and praise for this time. We draw on this word. I thank you, Father, it falls onto good soil today. Uh, we've prepared our hearts and prepared our minds. We have ears to hear. We have eyes to see, ready to receive and draw on the word. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm excited to bring a message to you today. Uh, might sound a little relevant with everything that we have going on, but I want to give you permission today to cancel something in your life. And I know we're talking about canceling all kinds of things, but here's something I want you to uh, cancel, and that is distractions. The title of this message is simply Canceling Distractions. And, um, you know, it's an interesting thought that from the beginning of time, there's always been two voices. You can go all the way back to the garden, even in the midst of perfection, even in the midst of paradise. There were two voices, uh, two voices that opposed one another, two voices that conflicted. 
uh, two voices that if you follow one or the other would take you down contrary paths. And so uh, we want to understand how to navigate these voices and which one is the distraction and which one uh, needs the meditation, needs the focus. Uh, we said this last week, you may remember one of our points was where you fix your focus, you feed your faith. Where you fix your focus, you feed your faith. And so uh, we learned last week that where I'm giving attention and what I'm focusing on is where my faith is being built and strengthened in. And Right now, uh, in this time, I mean, we know all the, the avenues that the media uses, social media, television, um, and if you don't hear it from any of those sources directly, there's plenty of people in your life and around you that will try to inform you and try to let you know where everything's at and what this could do and what, how this might turn out. And so we've got to learn how to navigate through these voices. I actually want to take you back to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13, that's where we uh, spent most of our time last week. And again, we saw the Israelites coming out of Egypt on the verge of going into the promised land, the land that the Lord had already given them, had already promised them. He already gave it to them. This was uh, theirs for the taking. And they sent in 12 spies by the command of God. And rather than going in with a report, they went in to get a report. And in this instance, we see these opposing voices show up. There were 12 spies that went in, but we know that 10 came back with a bad report or a negative report. And two of them, Joshua and Caleb by name, came in and came out with a positive report, with a good report, regardless of what they saw. We learned last week that what I see does not change what God says. And you need to know that over your life right now. What you see never changes what God says. What he has already said is never at the mercy, never bows to our opinions, our ideas, our interpretations, even what our natural senses are sensing. But I want to jump in here in Numbers chapter 13 again. And um, let's see, I want to pick up here with verse uh, 30. Verse 30, it picks up with Caleb and it says, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. This is when the, the spies have come back. And the spies, again, they gave a declaration of the grapes, but they also gave a declaration of the giants. We have grapes in our life. We have giants in our life. Which ones are you going to be moved by? What are you going to build your faith upon? Verse 30 says, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. His word, and we uh, go into Numbers chapter 14, and you see that Joshua uh, was in agreement with this as well. Their word was directly opposing the word of the, uh, the negative spies, the bad spies, the 10 spies that came out with the bad report. They're in direct opposition. We've got 10 with a bad report, two with a good report. Let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. Verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And how many times do we get in these scenarios in life where you've got a word from God? 
Joshua and Caleb are settled on a word. This is the land that's already been given to us. We've believed for this land, heard about this land. This land's been promised to our forefathers. We've known about this and came out of slave mentality and came out of a sight-driven mentality and leaned on the word of God, not their own understanding, not their ability to comprehend, not their ability to perceive and, and naturally comprehend what was about to take place. But they leaned on God's word and said, if he said it's ours, then it must be ours. We are well able to go in and take it. But we end up in these scenarios where you have two directly opposing words. How do we navigate these words? How do we approach the next step that we take in life when we have one report from God and a negative report on the same exact scenario? They, they uh, in verse 31 said, we're not able to go up uh, and take it for they are stronger than we. Verse 32, and they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. So again, we have this report. Again, we have uh, these two opposing reports and notice that they had evidence, as we learned last week, they gathered evidence and they had all these natural indicators that proved we can't do this. We can't take this. And Joshua and Caleb simply stood on the evidence of faith in God's word that said, no, this is our land. We can have this. So we see a couple things here. First off, we saw in verse 30, it said, then Caleb quieted the people. One of the first steps you're going to have to take when these opposing voices start to show up in our lives is we're going to have to find ways to quiet the voices, quiet the negativity, quiet the disagreement with what God's word says. Um, it is impossible because here's the thing. God is not going to shout over all the stuff that we build are build up in our lives, all the other voices. And so if we aren't uh, isolating ourselves and insulating ourselves from media, um, from friends that may just be speaking negativity all the time, from family members, look, there's all kinds of voices you're going to have to quiet. Uh, I'm reminded of a story in uh, Mark chapter 5, uh, a man named Jairus had a daughter, 12-year-old daughter that was at the point of death. And uh, he takes Jesus, he finds Jesus and says, you've got to come lay hands on my daughter. Heal my daughter. I know that you can heal her. And uh, he heals the woman with the issue of the blood on the way. And right after he heals that woman, uh, people from the house come and report saying, don't even bother the master. She's already dead. We've already lost her. And Jesus responds and he says, do not be afraid, only believe. Do not be afraid, only believe. And as they get to the house, there's people there weeping and wailing and crying and, and just going on uh, with the negative report, of course. And Jesus ends up putting out all the voices of negativity. 
says that he goes into the house and goes into the room with the young girl only with her parents and only with the disciples and only with those that he knew would remain in faith and stand in faith with him. What's he doing? He's removing anything that would oppose. We cannot continue to feed off of and allow different voices uh, that oppose the word of God around us and speak into us and then wonder why our faith isn't being strengthened. Wonder why our faith isn't being encouraged. Wonder why we're not seeing the promises of God come to pass. So Caleb here, he quiets the people before Moses. And then he responds out of his mouth, let us go up at once. So first thing is you've got to shut down the voices that oppose the word of God. The second thing is, is you've got to open up your voice with the word of God. I'll say that again. Number one, you shut down the voices that oppose the word of God. Uh, again, we need to be informed. We need to be aware, but not at the expense of our spirit, not at the expense of our faith. And you need to know where that line is. You need to know where that limit is. Are you feeding so much that now you're beginning to be moved by what you see rather than what God says? Are you feeding and listening and engaging so much with what's around you that you can't even recall what the word of God says? That is a dangerous place to be. It's an extremely dangerous place to be. So I've got to shut down the voices that oppose the word of God. And then I have to open up my voice in agreement with the word of God. I've got to get the word of God in my mouth. That word confess over in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, where it says confess Jesus. as your, That word confess literally means to come into agreement, to make a binding pact. So when I'm confessing the word of God, what I'm saying to God is, I agree with you. I'm in agreement with what your word says. I'm in agreement with what it declares. And I agree with this over what's around me. So I've got to shut down opposing voices and I've got to open up my voice. He goes on to say, we are well able to overcome it there in verse 30. We are well able to overcome it. Immediately, the voice pops right back up. Look, notice that just because you speak the word doesn't mean the other voices shut up. Just because you get the word of God in your mouth doesn't mean the other voices are going to quit coming. So you've got to be intentional about shutting them out and believing the word of God over what you see and over what's going on around us. But here's what we know. If the enemy can't destroy you, he will distract you. If the enemy can't destroy you, he will distract you. And this is where these distractions come in. And this is where these opportunities come in that, that want to uh, pull us off of the word of God and pull us away from what he says. And look, if I'm distracted from the promise, then I can't see the promise. If I'm distracted from what God's word says, then I can't stand on it. I can't fix my life. Remember we said in Colossians chapter three, verses one and two, it says to set your mind on things above. That means I'm not, I'm not being moved by what's happening around me. I'm fixed. I'm immovable. I'm grounded. I'm not distracted. A, a double-minded man, he's what? He's unstable in all his ways. So these distractions come up to bring instability in our lives. These distractions come up because the enemy knows he can't destroy you. He can't touch you. He doesn't have access to your life. But if he can distract you off of the word of God, then we won't see the word fulfilled in our lives. After this goes on, we know these Israelites, they end up 
dying in the wilderness. They, they end up dying right there, uh, not because God couldn't get them in, because they couldn't get their minds renewed and wrapped around what the Word of God says, hey, this land is yours. And so they end up dying there. But guess who gets to go in? Two, two of those spies get to access the land, and one of them gets called as a leader to take this new group of Israelites that was born in the wilderness, that didn't come out of Egypt, that had no slavery mentality to think of and, and, and any experience to fall back on. And now Joshua is going to lead them in. And look what it says here in Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, and uh, we're going to start here with verse 2. Joshua chapter 1 in verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. The old is gone. We're moving on into a, into a new season. We're going to go after the promise of God. That which didn't want to access and didn't want to grow and didn't want to develop and didn't want to stand on the promise, it's gone. It's been done away with. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Notice God is reminding them, hey, this is your land. I'm letting you know, just as I let the generation before, and the generation before that, and the generation before that, this is your land. Stand on this promise. Verse 3 says, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you as I said to Moses, guess what? His promises don't change. Doesn't matter the season. Doesn't matter who's going in. Doesn't matter if the generation before you uh, that preceded you grabbed a hold of it. It doesn't matter what they did. The promise is still the same to you. You can stand on this promise just as they could have stood on this promise. Every place, verse 3, uh, that the sole of your foot will tread upon I have given you. And he goes down and he identifies all the, the land and he's being very specific. This is what belongs to you. But look at these instructions beginning with verse 6. Joshua chapter 1 beginning with verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. What's he saying right there? Do not turn. Don't be distracted. He's letting them know you're going to have opportunity for distraction. The opportunity for distraction will always be there. The temptation to get your eyes off of the word and get your eyes off of the goal and, 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 and not remain focused and fixed on what God says. It, it will, that opportunity will always be there. You have to be intentional. Do not turn. Do not turn. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper. Prosperity is where your focus is. Prosperity is where your focus is. You grow and you develop and you obtain where you keep your focus. Look at verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. What did we just say earlier with Caleb? That he shut down the voices that opposed and then he opened up his voice in agreement. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Speak the word 
but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. That word meditate means to chew on, think on, and become settled in. It means to chew on, think on, and become settled in. So I'm meditating means I'm not just glancing over. I'm not just giving it, oh yeah, I looked at the word today. I got my little verse today, uh, you know, on my app. No, I'm getting focused. I'm getting into the word. I am feeding on the word and I'm not letting it depart my eyes so I can plant it in my heart. And ultimately his word comes out of my mouth. It says this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. That sounds like someone that's focused to me. That sounds like someone that's giving attention. That sounds like someone that is staying inclined to what the word of God and not allowing distractions to move them. Verse nine, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He's just, again, reassuring, giving them a promise, letting them know that my word is forever settled. And the only way you get defeated is if you get distracted. The only way you get defeated is if you get distracted. We cannot allow distractions to move us from the word of God. We cannot allow distractions, opposing voices that conflict You think all the way back to the garden and there is what? There was a voice that said, uh, if you eat of this tree, you will surely die. But here's all the provision I've made available to you. But right on the other hand was a voice that directly opposed. Did God really say that you shouldn't eat or you would die? Did he really say? It's direct opposition. It's a lie from the enemy to move you off of the word of God. So we have to recognize that uh, these distractions will lead to our defeat. These distractions will lead to our defeat. Real quick, I want to show you a story here in 1 Kings chapter 19. You'll flip over there. 1 Kings chapter 19. And um, this is a powerful scripture, um, powerful passage. And man, when I saw this, it just really stood out to me uh, the way that it reads here in the New King James Version um, was just so powerful. And I'll catch you up here real quick. In First Kings chapter 18, um, we have the prophet Elijah. And um, there's this opportunity where we're in essence, proving is, is God, God, or is the God Baal God? And so these uh, prophets of Baal, uh, there's a challenge that goes out and says, here's what we're going to do on Mount Carmel. We're going to set up an altar and we're going to have the prophets of Baal try to uh, pray to their God and worship their God and get their God to consume this altar with fire. And then I'm going to pray. Elijah says, I'm going to pray to my God. And whosoever God consumes this altar, burns up this altar, uh, is the real God. And we will all bow down and worship 
that God. And so the prophets of Baal, you know, they're doing their thing. They're dancing. They're singing. They're worshiping. I mean, it's going on. It's just a, a crazy circus show that's happening and nothing's taking place. Elijah ends up, you know, mocking them, making fun of them. And then finally, Elijah gets a hold of it, douses the altar in water, builds a uh, ravine of water around the altar. I mean, there's no way this thing's getting lit on fire. Praise to his God. And what does God do? God shows himself miraculously. God performs an absolute miracle. Fire comes from heaven, burns up and consumes the altar. That day, 450 prophets of Baal were killed, were slaughtered that day. And everyone knew who God's, uh, which God was more powerful, who was the real God. Everyone knew that Baal was just a figment of imagination, but our God is the God. He's the reigning king. Everyone knew that. An absolute miracle took place right before their eyes. And this is why I was encouraging last week, uh, encouraging you last week, that we cannot be moved by what we see. Even if it's good or bad, we have to remain fixed on the word of God. And so this, mir this miracle has just taken place. This miracle, God has just shown himself strong. But 1 Kings chapter 19, we jump over here. That was the end of 18, 1 Kings 18. In 1 Kings 19, we jump in. We're going to pick up right here with verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also, how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. So Ahab is speaking to Jezebel, gives her the story of, hey, this is what took place out here on Mount Carmel. Uh, prophets of Baal couldn't make anything happen. The, uh, Elijah's God, the God, consumed the altar, burned it up, and he slaughtered 450 of the prophets of Baal. Verse 2, Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, so let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So now she is uh, putting out a threat. Now she is making a threat of what's going to happen in the future to Elijah of this is what I'm going to make happen to you. Remember, we just saw this powerful miracle just take place just recently. I mean, we're, we're talking 24 hours later, this is what's happening. And now she puts out a threat. When I get a hold of you, I'm going to make sure you are slaughtered and killed just like you did to those 450 prophets of Baal. Look at this in verse three. These first words right here, these first five words. And when he saw that. And when he saw that he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Now you got to grab this. I want you to lean into this right here because this is so important. Verse 3 says, And when he saw that, saw what? She made a verbal threat. Verse 2 it said, then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah. I mean, she didn't draw a picture. She didn't film it. She didn't give any kind of visual display whatsoever. But in verse 3, it states that when Elijah saw it, 
he allowed what he heard to become what he saw. He allowed what he heard to to become what he saw. Man, what a dangerous way to be distracted from God's word. We're talking a miracle just took place the day before. And now Elijah is so moved to the point of running for his life. He leaves his servant, which means he leaves the very assistance and the very resources that God has supplied him and isolates himself from everything in complete fear and panic. In the whole rest of this chapter, God is basically having to remind him, hey, I'm for you. And he's telling God, man, why don't you just go ahead and take my life? You know, I'm not even going to make it by this time tomorrow. Uh, You know, I'm the only one left that's serving. I mean, he just goes on this absolute anxiety attack and run of panic. All over an image he allowed into his mind based upon a word that he heard. This is the danger of distraction because distractions, distractions can come in. And if you feed on them and if you give them the proper amount of attention and focus, they'll become so real to you. Watch this. The threat of what Jezebel was going to do became more real to Elijah than the promise of what God had already done. The threat of what Jezebel was going to do became more real to Elijah than the promise of what God had already done. That quickly, he forgot what God did just the day before. That quickly, he got moved off of this God that just showed himself so mighty and so miraculously. This is why our our, our sight can be deceiving and we can't build our faith upon that. We have to understand that God's word demands our focus. God's word demands our attention. And if I'll put my focus there and put my attention there, then I'll feed my faith. I'll strengthen my faith and nothing that happens in the natural can move me off of that. But man, when you've got these distractions coming in and we have more distractions today than ever, I like to put it this way. Confusion is the result of too many voices. Confusion is the result of too many voices. Some of us are so confused in life and some of us are so anxious and concerned and operating out of panic and fear at times because we haven't shut out the voices. And now the threats of what the enemy might do, the threats of what the enemy has yet to do, becomes more real to us than the promises that God has already declared over our life and the miracles we've already seen. Some of us are right on the back end of a miracle that he just did for us and we're already in panic and fear because we've forgotten, we haven't meditated on, we haven't, we, 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 instead of following the command of God, do not turn from, from the left or to the right. We began getting unfocused following these distractions We become defeated. When we become distracted, we become defeated. He was so distracted that the word that he heard became an image that he saw. He became so distracted that the word that he heard became an image that he saw. 
So we have to understand that we cannot allow these distractions to run rampant in our lives and in our minds and, and so much so that we begin imagining and we begin visualizing, we begin seeing what might happen, what could happen. This is what they said. This is what they're going to do. This is what's going to happen. And in a day and age of way too many voices, in a, in a day and age of way too much access, distraction becomes the issue. You know, God doesn't have to give you another word. It's all contained right here. It's all contained in this book. God doesn't have to pen another word. God doesn't have to come down here and, reveal, and, and give you more revelation and, and bring angels to wake you up in the middle of the night. And You have all the word you need right here. You have all the word you need to conquer any threat of the enemy that ever may try to come. Right here in the word of God. This is why we've got to be studiers of the word. This is why we've got to be feeders of the word. Disciplined to be in the word consistently and constantly. I told uh, our church just recently, I told y'all just recently, just a few weeks ago, that I have uh, incorporated a habit into my life that for every uh, bit of information that I digest or take in from the media and all the things that are going on right now, and look, I'm trying to stay informed and aware just as much as anybody, but I'm also making sure if I'm spending five minutes watching a, a video, I'm going to spend 10 minutes back in the Word of what God has already said. Again, God speaks about the conclusion of a thing and nothing that happens in this world or in this life moves or changes His Word. It's impossible. It is steadfast. It's yes and amen. They, they are established forever in heaven. And so we have to become secure in that. So what's the solution? What's the solution? We all know this verse, Romans chapter 12. Let's jump over there, Romans chapter 12. Man, if you're getting something right now, just jump down in the, in the comments, in the chat, in the feed here, and just let us know what you're getting. Let us know, uh, respond, say amen. I mean, you can say amen on your couch. You can say amen in your living room. Uh, it, it, it doesn't matter where you're at or how you're receiving this. You've got to respond to the Word of God. That means you're allowing it to soak in and uh, be planted into good soil. So respond. Let us know, uh, you know that God is speaking to you. And I hope that this is uh, strengthening, you, strengthening you and encouraging you. I, I picture this as like, I'm kind of like your personal trainer a little bit. And we've got to hit the gym. We've got to strengthen our spirit, man. We've got to strengthen our faith. We've got to build it up. Uh, we can't allow it to become dormant. We can't allow it uh, to just sit idly by. Uh, we've got to continue to invest and pour in to our spirit, uh, the word of God, so it will feed and strengthen us. Amen. Uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. We know this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Here's the verse we want to look at, verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world. Man, there's a lot of conforming going on. There is a lot of adjusting and adapting to what's around us and the surroundings. And I mean, we, we've seen adaptation take place at its 
highest pinnacle right now. I mean, it, it, we are just, you're seeing people, again, being flooded by information and therefore they are responding to that by conforming to what's around them. He says, do not be conformed to this world. This is to you and I. He opened up in verse one and said, I beseech you brethren. So do not be conformed church to this world, but be transformed. How am I going to be transformed? By the renewing of your mind. You know, that's an ongoing process by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The good and acceptable and perfect will of God isn't displayed in our life on accident just because God feels like it one day. No, it it, it requires and demands intentionality, focus. It means I am being renewed in my mind. How I think is how I live. If I don't change how I think, I won't change how I live. I will respond to natural circumstances and I will respond with fear and panic and anxiety just like everybody else. But if I can be transformed by the renewing of my mind, then I can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want to read this to you in the message translation. I love how it reads here. Uh, In the message, it says this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Verse 2, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. Did you get that? Fix your attention on God on God. It's what we just covered last week, where I fix my focus, I feed my faith. Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Quickly respond to it. Don't delay. Quickly respond. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. So I've got to renew my mind. That's that meditate on the word day and night that we saw over in Joshua chapter one. I've got to fix my mind, set my mind on the word of God, on things above, not on things below. I I don't walk, I don't live, I don't respond by what I see. We walk and we live by faith. We're strengthening our faith. We're getting rid of distractions. Let me tell you something. You'll never avoid distractions. You eliminate distractions. You'll never avoid distractions. You have to make a choice to eliminate distractions. Get them out. Limit it. Limit the access. It is, it's not healthy to you. It's not affecting you in any positive way whatsoever. And you know it on the inside, you feel it. I was telling someone the other day, give me someone who for five days has spent uh, uh, a week d- watching and feeding on nothing but the news. And give me another individual that spent five days, spent a week watching and feeding on nothing but the word of God. And let's see where they're at. 
I mean, it changes your responses. It changes your decision-making. It alters your belief system, your, your outlook on life, the positivity that you live with. It affects everything. Distractions cannot be allowed to run rampant in our lives. They'll create images of a false future, an, an alternative future other than what God has told us. He's promised us life and life more abundantly. He's promised us a future, a hope. He's, he's promised us that he's got good for us, not bad. How do I see that come to pass? I'm avoiding, or not avoiding, I'm eliminating distractions, intentionally discharging them from my life, and focusing on the word of God. I want to close you with this verse. We'll close out here in John chapter 10. John chapter 10. We've got to eliminate the distractions. We've heard it said many times, feed your faith, starve your doubts, starve your fears, feed your faith. What you feed gets stronger. What you feed grows. What you feed develops. In John chapter 10, this is what Jesus has to say, beginning with verse one, most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. Who hears his voice? The sheep. The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. Now watch this. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. It says that they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of of strangers. We're talking about two voices. We're talking about opposing voices. Once again, here in this passage, we see that there are two opposing, contradictory voices that want to show up in our lives, that want to uh, navigate us and direct us down differing paths. And so when these distractions come, what am I going to do? I've got to remain fixed on the right voice. But this is what he says. He says, the voice of the shepherd, they follow just by hearing the voice. They don't even have to see. They can follow by hearing. That's incredible. I don't even have to see things changing around me. Regardless of what I see happening around me, I hear his voice and I follow that. More than ever, we need a church that's led by the Spirit of God right now. The world is waiting for us. You recognize that the government's waiting for us. The healthcare system's waiting for us. The economy is waiting for us to be led by the Spirit. No longer should the church be isolated to a corner and be told how we can operate and what we can do and when we can come out. No, we should have a commanding voice in culture today. But that only comes if we're led by His Spirit. He says that the sheep follow the voice of the shepherd. But then it also says the voice of a stranger they will not follow. 
And I know we've pointed this out many times, but I want to point it out again because it's just a great reminder. The Lord showed me one time. He spoke to me one time. I was reading this and he simply asked me the question, who's the shepherd and who's the stranger? How do you determine who's the voice of the shepherd? I know a lot of times we read this passage, we think, okay, the voice of the shepherd, that's Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit. And then we think, who's the voice of the stranger? That's the enemy. That's the, that's the devil. That's the thief. That's the robber. But he spoke to me and he said this, the voice of the shepherd is the one you are the most familiar with. And the voice of the stranger is the one you are the least familiar with. And so it begs this question, what have you become the most familiar with? Is it the voice of God? Is it the word of God? Because it goes on to say there in verse five, we will by no means follow a stranger, but it also says we will flee from him. Some of us are running in the opposite direction of what the word of God says, because it is the least familiar voice in our life. It's a sobering fact, and, and I don't bring that word to be condemning at all, but to convict, yes, to convict us to say, what am I feeding on? What am I becoming familiar with? What am I allowing to be the, the highest priority in my life? In a world of too many voices, in a world where confusion is the result of too many voices, we have to recognize that it is dangerous for us to leave ourselves vulnerable and susceptible to these voices that do not agree or align with the Word of God. We have to cancel distractions. What are you canceling? What are you canceling in your life? What are you putting a limit on? What are you saying, I can't handle more than this? What are you saying, you know what, at this time, it's not necessary for me to have these voices. It might be people. It might be streams. It might be platforms. It might be individuals. They might be close to you. They might be far away from you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't agree with the word of God. It doesn't need to have access into our life to the point where we are following it and even uh, uh, making it the word in our life. Nothing is greater than the word of God. We have to find ourselves fixed and supplanted in the word. Amen. So I want to encourage you today. Cancel the distractions. Cancel the voices. Limit what you are allowing to speak into your life. Stand on the promises of the word of God and they will they will come to pass. I can promise you that. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.